0: episode of wrong opinions only with your host justin and kayla we got kayla back in the studio i'm back guys
1: i'm back this is exciting
0: maybe less awkward pauses more fun less fun maybe i'll just carry it
1: on you know you seem to be having some fun with those so i
0: really was the editing was just a pleasurable process where i got to just hear six seconds (laughs) of silence before my wife answered a few times
1: Uh, Only serves you right for the spontaneous Big Brother pod I had to host. So You're welcome,
0: Kayla. I'm just trying to better you as a person and a host, really.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, I roll here. All right, let's get into what we're talking about today, which is a variety of things, which is pretty much how we roll. So let's talk about crime dramas because we're going to be discussing We Own This City. First off, do you like crime dramas? Is that a genre that you find yourself watching?
0: Yes, a hundred percent. And as I've said multiple times on this podcast, real life things that can actually happen are based on true stories. I'm all in for.
1: I would say no. Like, would you consider like SVU a crime drama?
0: Yes. Yeah. Like, but like the most basic of the crime dramas. Okay.
1: Like, I never watch any of those. Too intimidating. Too many episodes. Um, if it's a movie, yes. Generally, a crime drama TV show. Not so much. Well, not like a
0: long-running show like Law & Order where there's 700 seasons, but what about one of these limited series like We Own the City?
1: This is probably one of the first ones. I mean, Netflix, I love that unbelievable. I would consider that a crime drama. Um, Probably limited is the only real way I've been getting into these because I know it's a set story within these couple episodes versus a show like The Wire um and different things like that where i'm like oh how many episodes how many seasons you know it's a little intimidating so uh sorry svu fans
0: yeah that's too much to ever catch up on i never was a big uh law and order person D- done yeah like i know the the intro music <laughs> and that damn guy has made just boatloads of money off of all of the same shows yes. that he makes that are all the same thing with a slight twist now it's firefighters oh now it's police yeah now same it's
1: with the chicago, whoever does the chicago shows it's yeah like chicago yeah. fire chicago pd chicago medical like okay everything's chicago um, so let's talk about, we own this city, which was a six episode miniseries from the creator of the wire that premiered on HBO on April 25th. It details the rise and fall of the Baltimore police department's gun trace task force and the corruption around it. The story centers around Sergeant Wayne Jenkins played by John Bernthal. One of eight officers were, uh, conflicted, of uh, various corruption charges in 2018 and 2019. It does follow a nonlinear narrative with frequent flashbacks. Let's start with that, kind of the storytelling aspect, because this came up for definitely for you when you were describing it and myself, too. What did you think about the pacing, the tone, the way the story was told through the flashbacks, that type of thing?
0: It took me off guard initially. I, I didn't like the pacing. I thought it was moving a little slow. And frankly, like the present day is like 2017 in this show, which took me... A little bit to to kind of understand that because they flash back to 2005 2012 2015 so I was always like okay who are the people that are telling the story today in present day and I didn't realize that it all takes place in 2017 until like the second or third episode and once I understood what they were doing they're taking bits and pieces from the present day um interrogations and interviews in order to tie it back to the to the olden days I Felt a little better with the flow of it, but it's still... It was a little bit for me to follow, especially at first.
1: There was a second layer to it, too. It wasn't just the... Like, you know, you you saw the quote-unquote present day where they were getting interrogated, they were caught, and then, you know, the crimes, per se. It was also like you would see different versions. So John Bernthal, who plays um, Wayne Jenkins, who was a sergeant, he was kind of basically the head of this gun task force, um, and he... You saw him in various time periods, like when he was fresh off into off the academy meeting his co. Like it was.
0: It's how he got corrupted. Yes. He started off as a green, like right out of the academy. Like, let's do this good police work. And then he realized pretty early on, it's not always about good police and it work. Didn't it's take, about I will pain. say it
1: did not take him long to kind of go no. right into that, uh, like same day. But you also can tell the time by his looks because he had a mustache. He had, like, no facial hair. Terrible hair. hair. Terrible hair. The later hair aspect yeah. was rough. Ooh. Was rough. So that, like, between that and the way that they would show, like, the police reports would have basically Wayne Jenkins and the year. So that also told you, like, what they were going to. But narratively, if you had me, like, Kayla, write down a timeline of events. I, there's no way I'm putting events in the correct year because it was jumped around so much in a single episode.
0: And when it jumps around in close proximity to each other, it makes it more difficult. Like it, if it goes from 2017 to 20, 2005, okay. You can see by the visuals, how everybody looks, the time period, that you can follow a little more. But when it's 2017 to 2015, you kind of get lost. Cause you're like, wait, I thought they were interviewing him. He wait, he's on the street now. Did he get out? And because not sometimes, enough time has elapsed between some of the flashbacks.
1: Sometimes you would meet one of the officers who was getting interrogated, mm-hmm. and then you would start to see their beginning. And, yeah, it would jump across different time periods. So I'm like you. Like, it took me a bit, and then I kind of, like, understood, like, oh, that was that's Wayne Jenkins younger. This is yeah. John Jenkins, like, in the middle. Okay. Um, again, I couldn't give you a clear time period. But I was with it probably, like... I guess you could have had a more narrative story as far as showing, um, you know, the beginning of his crime. But like, it's hard to do a six was it six episodes six episode yeah show where you're going to show him from the start of his career. How it's less of a person. It is, you know, there is their own responsibility, but also it's, you know, secondly about just the corruption in the police department, Baltimore politics, all that stuff it would be hard to show all of that success. So I understood why they had to do it that way. I, I don't necessarily know why they, maybe they could have made it more clear than just hairstyles to be able to tell what type yeah. of you were in, but I see why they had to do that.
0: Yeah. And at one point I wasn't sure about the civil rights, uh, group, the lawyers, they were talking about Trump and stuff. So it seemed like that was the present day, but I wasn't sure if that was actually past some of these indictments or way before I, I, that one, they didn't show really a lot of the, uh, the pop-ups of exactly what time period it was. It's just like, okay, you assume it's present day, but sometimes they were talking about things before the people were arrested, so that followed a bit of a, a tighter timeline, but still like one or two years where they were doing their own investigation for, what was it the consent decree between the, the city yes, and the police I, department?
1: Usually those would be the less interesting storylines for me because it's like the politics of it all yeah. versus the... Actual seedy crap they were doing on the streets, planting drugs, planting guns, taking money. Uh, A lot of the time they were just taking money off of their bus. So if they found like a pile of money or this, they were taking a bunch for themselves and hiding it. Um, to be the less interesting stuff. But honestly, like, I think the show did really well painting a picture of not just the people being corrupt, the officers, but also, like, the struggles Baltimore's had for years. I mean, with The Wire mm-hmm. was all about that. And
0: same creator, David Simon, mm-hmm. who worked in the police department as was a detective for yeah. a while. So you can tell when you have somebody that is creating the show and that's on set, like the realism in the stuff that's happening. It is kind of a grittier, realistic tale, and it's based on a true story. So you have a lot of that, that realistic elements of exactly how you get to a point where the trust is completely severed between the public and the police department.
1: Yeah, I mean, when, when one of the people being picked for a potential jury on a murder case says, like, I wouldn't believe a police officer if they told me they loved their mother. Yeah. Like, that was very poignant. I just think it, it made it interesting by showing us from the lifespan of the civil rights lawyer to when she ends up leaving, because ultimately she's like, I can't go through my career, and my life going through this. Good luck, new guy. Um sometimes it's about the changes. Sometimes we're just literally whittled down to nothing. We don't have enough energy to fight this battle because it's such little things you're getting. And then how a whole political cycle you can push towards something, they leave. And it's the same thing. You start over. You basically start over with pushing the same policies.
0: And you could see kind of slowly, I forget, um, Oh man, the actual actress's name, but I thought she was really great in it. Um, the person who played the civil rights attorney. And you could see her getting slowly more and more defeated as the series went on because she's like, oh, this guy has, what is it, 19 complaints? Only one's been sustained. Okay, so why is he still out on the street? And you have to see the police commissioner, who, in my opinion, legitimately seemed like he was trying to do a good job and revamp the police department, is kind of has his hands tied because he's like, we only have so many officers that are willing to go out and make arrests. And straight up, it's a political game where if we don't have our arrests go up based on the rising levels of violence, I'm going to get fired. They're going to take uh, – more cops are going to leave because they don't think it's fair that everybody's getting fired or prosecuted for doing their quote-unquote job. So it just is such a weird – dynamic between the police commissioner having to worry about the politics having to worry about the police work and then having to worry about how he treats his officers that are uh, lieutenants or plainclothes officers in the field and which ones get more privilege right the people that are bringing in more arrest more guns more drugs they get to kind of run with what they're doing and do what they want because they have the quote-unquote stats to back it up
1: And just how layered it is, how it's not just people choosing to do bad things. It's the political system not supporting areas that need to be supported. It's, um, you know, voices being silenced. It's it's all types of stuff. And I I think that really shows in the nuanced character work of Sean Souter, who I think was an interesting character. He didn't have the most, I mean, we do have John Berth and all, I mean, we can go into him, but. You know, the Sean Sooner's personality is very, like, quiet, kind of, like, just wants to do his his new role um, as BPD homicide and that stuff. But, like, he kind of started at the gun test, saw the corruption, participated a little bit, and realized, like, this is not going anywhere good, got out. And then when they start getting busted and he's being called into question, you he know... He freaks out,
0: yeah. He I freaks think...
1: out and starts sweating and start panicking. Like, it's not enough. And, again, that's a the interesting side of humanity for better or worse is how nuanced people are. It's like, Oh, but he got out, he stopped doing it. He got out and now he's helping people. Yeah. But that doesn't really deny the stuff that he was participating in at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah, didn't they showed the flashbacks
0: him. of, of Jenkins basically saying, Hey, take this money. We, uh, we'll just clock it in as a hundred thousand. There was 140,000 here, whatever the number is, here's 10 grand. Mm-hmm. And you see him playing with it, like I don't, I don't know if I can take this money. Like doesn't want to do it, pushes back at first, and then they never show him explicitly taking it. But then you have at the end, he kind of goes rogue, and he's so uncomfortable that he's going to be questioned, mm-hmm. that he ends up, they say, taking his own life. Right? Oppos- supposedly, there was some type of. Quarrel with a a guy nobody else saw in an alley.
1: Yeah, so he at at the end, and they show this towards the end of the show. He's has this big meeting where essentially they know that he participated in some things, and it's going to be known. He has a family. All this pressure is on him. He's literally getting coffee the day of and shaking, but he's been following this case, and and this is what happened in real life. He has one partner he's with on the street. He says he sees someone in the alley. He tells him to go like to the corner. And all of a sudden, the guy hears shots, runs towards him. He's on the ground. But there's all these examples of he never saw anyone there. Yep. He never... There was still smoke from the gun, which... If someone had shot him that would have cleared by the time he was only gone two seconds it took to get to him all of these elements where he was shot all of these elements are implied that he killed himself that he couldn't take the guilt and what might happen to his career to his life and
0: how he he walked into his kids rooms and looked at him one last time before he left for work that morning and
1: and sad such a sad story And Um, he is
0: what really brought me into the show. mm Because the first couple episodes, I I was struggling a little bit. And when Sean Suter's character came in, that's when the show kind of turned around for me. Because you had somebody that it gives you a glimpse into that lifestyle, somebody who got out of it, somebody who's trying to do good, and you can root for. It's like, okay, this guy's in Homicide. Maybe he's not making all the bank of those guys working overtime on the Gun Trace Task Force. But he is happy. He is proud to go home to his wife and be like I did something good today I'm where I'm meant to be and then to see that fall apart in the last episode was that was rough to watch
1: oh it was it was slow too and for me unexpected because I didn't know really anything about this story going in Um, and so it was all kind of new information I definitely looked into stuff after Let's talk about John Bernthal. I think in the part, um, if there's any scenes or lines you want to specifically shout out, but John Bernthal basically carries the show. The show is made for him. He
0: is a lunatic, and I love it. Was uh.
1: just like hilarious. He's really going all in. I heard that he actually like you know they provide like police escorts, like opportunities to get to know the police to yeah. kind of get into the role. He did all that stuff himself. Um, So he actually got his own into departments and stuff to kind of get ready for this role. His accent's doing the most, and I love it. He's the perfect charismatic asshole. Like, and he has played that many times, but it just, he's so good at showing this guy who's so bad and doesn't believe that he did anything wrong, that what he was doing was just okay. And
0: he was taught that way. Like, he's not hurt. In his mind, he's not hurting anybody. These are bad guys anyway that he's putting in jail. Who cares if a few bucks goes off the top here, you know?
1: And when he has that moment where he's been basically doing all these terrible things, he's beating up people, he's literally robbing criminals, like, all types of stuff, planting guns to get himself out of tight you know, spots with other police members, all, you know, lying about overtime, all this stuff. And then he gets kind of word that people think he's,
0: he's corrupt. a bad cop yeah. and a
1: corrupt, and he gets so genuinely upset he almost quits because he's like it's not worth it like i'm a good after knowing that he's doing all these things and it's amazing how you can really have your own narrative to what's happening you can be doing all these terrible things and still think you're a good person
0: well and he has and it's pretty evident throughout the entire series such a fragile ego right because he it starts off where He's upset that uh, some of his buddies at the cookout are like, hey, you couldn't get us more lobsters or crabs or whatever it was. And he's like, oh, you know, it's all I could afford. And they're like, oh, you need to make more money. Everybody's kind of badgering. him, like, you don't make enough money. What the hell? What are you, a low timer here? And then over the badgering, he eventually gives in to like, all right, let's take a little bit from these guys when I pull them in. And and then it just kind of gradually increases from there where he straight takes stealing from people on the streets or he's planting evidence or he's planting guns to get himself out of a jam. And he just spiraled in a way that he was justifying it himself because what he walks around talking about himself in the third person. A lot yes. of time, like Wayne Jenkins is the best damn cop in this police yeah, force. Look at all believes these stats. His own I, hype. I yep. mean,
1: and he is, he's beloved. The people that are following him, that in his task force, getting extra money, lag of overtime, you know, they're even saying it's good till we'll just do it till it ends. Like eventually he's going to get caught. And they're not even thinking about their part in it at all. They're just thinking, oh, someone's going to have her and I'll be able to do this anymore. You know, he was this beloved guy, this guy that when, you know, riots and different stuff was happening, he was bringing food to the to his police brothers, you know, all types of stuff. And then doing all this stuff in this, he does his high speed chase, realizes like, the guy, nothing was wrong, and then had to plant stuff on him, like to cover up. Someone died, and this person died, and so it's and like that,
0: that specific case with the high speed chase is the one where Suter was with him, mm-hmm. and you know, very uh, conveniently, he's like, oh, we've already uh, looked through the car a hundred times. Suter, go go check again, and and he finds a brick of cocaine or whatever under the seat, yeah. like a
1: very yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that just would appeared out that. of nowhere. Yeah. So it's just you're just watching him and you're you're understanding that from his day one that he's being told, like, this is how we scam to get ahead. And he's like, okay, that's what I'm doing. Like, again, it doesn't absolve anything that he yeah. did, but it did a good job of portraying the larger police force, the city of Baltimore, the politics, the president, and how that influences a whole department, of civil rights, saying, you know, if Trump becomes president, we're gone. And she didn't want to waste, you know, four years... Or eight years doing nothing in a department that wasn't allowed to work. And so I loved that. I just loved a fully told story, a fully told world. If you've never been to Baltimore, if you've never watched The Wire, if you've never watched all of these things, I think it painted a, a picture of a city in the US that is suffering. And so even the corruption at the end. Where they have the new mayor, and then she ends up like being in the scam. Yep, I and mean, just like, the new police crap.
0: commissioner like has to leave after four or six months because well, he Jeff got up. is
1: just like in the room, and he's just like like kind of pushing his lips and staring down the commissioner. Yep. Wild,
0: and he has like even when he's in the courtroom and he's talking about an arrest, he's like, "Yeah, we surrounded the car, yada yada," very nonchalantly, and they're like. Well, that's police intimidation. They're gonna go free. He's like, "What the hell? I'm, I'm doing good police work here, and you guys just won't keep any of my guys in fucking jail." And it's,
1: and he thinks his guys aren't gonna rat. They told on him immediately. He ends up getting 25 years, the most, along with another member, Herschel, um, who yeah. refused to kind of work with the FBI or anything. So they ended up getting the most years, 25, and. Um,
0: and his crew changed over yeah. time. And you saw them get brought in. Gondo and uh, Ram were like the two main ones. Mm-hmm. I will say I love the Ram, like Ram character. Is it Ram or Ram character? Who he ended up getting 12 years at the end. Because he walked in He's like, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Yeah. Let's do it. He's
1: like, I've been waiting for this. Yeah. you know.
0: He's like, I, I was a complete asshole. I took money. I illegally pulled people over. I did this. He just cooperated from day one. And you can tell with his character in the flashbacks, he was aggressive. He's like, fuck this, let's let's go after these guys. Kind of giving the insinuation, especially when he was talking to Gondo, this isn't going to last. I'm going to take this for a ride as long as I can. And guess what? It's going to blow up in flames, but I'm willing to accept that as long as I can enjoy my time right now. And then it blew up in flames.
1: Yeah, it certainly did. Any other thoughts, comments on the show?
0: Uh, just that Wayne Jenkins... I like how they threw in that he was a pretty big family man, right? He was a
1: family man who also had sex with a lot of people on well, the streets. And that the came pups. in late
0: because I thought like the whole time I was like, okay, anytime his wife calls him with trouble or his son's in trouble, he's just like, sorry, guys, I got to go. Like, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if this is a big bust. I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I need to go help my kid. I need to go help my wife. And that was the thing tying him back to humanity for me. So... You didn't like his character; he was an ass. But there was a little bit where you're like, okay, at least he's still tied to his family; he still cares about that piece; he's not completely off the rails. And then the last couple episodes are like, well, actually, he was going to hotels and hooking up with hookers too. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, we no, go. see,
1: I was just hardened. I'm like, this guy is just, again, like at the end of the day, probably when they shut the bars in his cell, he was like, I am a family man. I am. And even they say at the end. Him not admitting to these things, let him yeah. have that persona going in. Was that he was about his family? That he wasn't yeah, threw Suter to all or this under stuff. the bus a little bit. You know,
0: I do like that he used to walk around with Mike's Hard Lemonades. That was his yes. drink, and people would give him shit, and he'd just be like, F-. "Like he'd get pissed at first before he kind of got the power. They'd be like, "Oh, what are you drinking there?" And he'd be like, "You know what? I do better police work. Screw you, man." And then as he got more confident, he'd just be like, "Fuck you. This is what I drink. Be better." <laughs>
1: like just just the the belief at the time that oh, these guys are getting guys off the streets. Look at all the guns they're pulling in. And they had just no care, consideration, or thought to look into how they're getting these guns oftentimes being planted yep. on people. And so it's, it's wild how much freedom they had to completely scam this entire department for so long.
0: Now, quick question for you. At any point, did you think, I had this cross my mind a little bit, maybe episode four, episode five, I thought they were going to pull like the Uno reverse card and just show things from Jenkins' perspective and that he actually wasn't a dirty cop and everybody in his task force was throwing him under the bus for what they were doing. Did that ever cross your mind? No. okay. So it was just me. There was a point I was like, ooh, it would be kind of interesting if they flip this here and he's a good cop but everybody is doing this under his nose without him realizing. So you
1: were thinking that the first few half showing him doing all this stuff was like actually their thing? I, yeah, I
0: like, I did not think of it in the time. There was a moment in episode, maybe it was four or five, where he's talking to his lawyer and he's, he like, at a certain point seems genuine, like, no, I didn't like do this stuff. Like, why am I admitting? And I was like, it'd be wild if they just switched this up and were like, actually, he's a good cop and these guys are fucking him over. Obviously, that didn't happen. He was as bad as they were showing, but I wasn't sure if they were trying to do something with the perspective of the person telling the story was going to change based on who they were talking to. But all in all, he was just an asshole.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But
0: very entertaining asshole. Yeah,
1: I I recommend the show if you do love a good crime drama. And even if you don't like me, um, because it was such a well-told story. And I think the narrative kind of troubles you could have following it Eventually get fixed, or you kind of are able to follow along pretty well. It's not really this confusing hiccup where you're like, when you can follow the story just based off of the events. And John Bernthal is just in his element. I mean,
0: he hasn't turned up the whole time. It's so
1: it's so good. I mean this this is his show. So yeah, watch We Own the City on HBO. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to be talking about the film House of Gucci. How's was that?
0: that? It's like you're in the film because their it, accents take about is. that much yeah. work. <laughs> um,
1: so, who directed it? It was Ridley Scott. Came out in November 2021. A movie we were kind of floating around during Oscar season, but because it wasn't heavily nominated, we had to prioritize our films. Um, starred Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, Selma Hayek, and Al Pacino. Box office gross budget budget of 75 million gross over 156.8.
0: A little bit of a disappointment. Uh, I think they were anticipating a bigger um, actual box office hit for this, but it was still a little 2021, a little COVIDy. It also.
1: A little covety. A little covety. <laughs> you know. They
0: were trying to just do the theatrical release. So this wasn't on streamers no. up until a couple months ago.
1: Right. When which we is were like, insane. let's do this. Let's, yeah. let's lock in here. It did get a Rotten Tomato score of 63%. Way too
0: high. All right. Thoughts.
1: Oh, okay. I beg <laughs> to differ. Thoughts going into the film. So this one was the most talked about film when it came out. Like everyone was talking about the crazy accents, the crazy plot, like Lady Gaga doing the most. So I went into it knowing that the performances were going to be silly. And so I leaned into it because I knew like this was not going to be like obviously an Oscar. You know what I mean? Like super serious at times because it did get over the top in several elements. So I leaned in. I think that helped me appreciate it because I was like, this is a wild film. What about you?
0: Yeah, I didn't know much about the story going in. So I went in completely... New, i didn't know anything that was happening i just heard a little bit of uh the ridiculous things and gaga's accent isn't great and stuff like that and i was watching it and it it felt like it was five hours long at some (laughs) point i was like what is going on here are we still talking about this 20 minutes left they bring up the murder situation you're like there's 20 minutes left in this three hour movie is when the murder comes up like what the fuck is going on here so i uh I was kind of in and out of it. There were points in the movie where I really enjoyed it, and then there were points where I had no idea why they included that or how they passed the time. Like, there's one point where it's just like, okay, they just meet. Wait, now they're getting married. Wait, there's a kid? Wait, the kid's, like, five years old? This all happened in, like, four minutes of actual screen time. I'm like, what year is it? Like, I I couldn't follow at certain points, and that got frustrating for me.
1: Okay, okay. I found it to be just an utter delight a true <laughs> treat for me i was having popcorn i was cracking up they were absolutely putting it on i would say am driver is probably the least character that was more like he was the only one normal, that actually acted well he, he was the only um, good actor no, in the movie. are you kidding me lady gaga brought oh my it. god lady that gaga... was the woman she was this her this... accent was was russian listen we don't i don't judge people on their accents i mean she did her best Okay.
0: She was so aggressive and over the top. And maybe that's who the person actually was. When a hundred
1: tell you no, you just need one. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. I was
0: rooting against her and for Mauricio oh. the entire movie. I was like, get her out of your life, man. She's toxic.
1: Oh, my goodness. He okay. was the
0: lovable underdog. And he was the freaking son of the head of Gucci. Like, come on.
1: Cracked me up. Cracked me up. Jared Leto, to me, was my favorite part as Paulo. Um... He it was, was a masterpiece. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but you did not realize that was him until I had no. Because I was like, everybody's movie, right? talking
0: about Jared Leto. I was like, who was he? I was like, what's going on? The movie ended. I was sitting with my wife. I was like, wait, which one was Jared Leto? And then she was like, oh, maybe Tom Ford. And I was like, oh, he only had like two scenes. That doesn't make sense.
1: Wow. And then I started talking about how crazy he was his Hollow. You're like, like, wait, what? Well,
0: that explains why I didn't like Hollow because. <laughs> I don't like Jared Leto. He is way too over the top. He is too much. And 90% of the time, I can't stand it. And that's exactly how I felt about Paolo the entire movie. So it made total sense when you said it. Because I was like, this seems like a performance I do, that Jared Leto would put I do
1: want to say that people, Italians have said that he did the best accent. That his wording on certain terms, his like higher lifting of tone like that was it like of all of them and their accents they said that he did the best um he was a delight a masterpiece oh,
0: please.
1: um you know it's just there's so many good but he's just doing all of it and it's hilarious um also wanna...
0: for one second for sure. Paulo, he is aldo's son and then you have mauricio is Rodolfo's son. So theoretically, they're supposed to be around the same age. Paolo looks like twice as old as Adam Driver, right? Like, were they supposed to be the same age, or was one, uh, Rodolfo dies before Aldo? So you'd figure he's older, but I don't know. Like, that threw me out of it because yeah. I was like, weren't they supposed to kind of grow up together? And one guy looks 20 years older than the other.
1: He does, but you know what? Pasta could do that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> he just didn't age well. Like,
0: I will and say. And look at,
1: like, his lifestyle he had too. So, I will um, say
0: Paolo was in one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, and it was when he was talking to Rodolfo, like, I have all these great designs, like, look at these brilliant designs, like, I didn't want to tell my dad, because he doesn't understand my vision, you know? And then he shows, he puts them all out on the table, and he's like, oh, like, browns and pastels, uh, um, okay, and then Rodolfo kind of goes on this rant, basically saying Paolo is useless so as a human him. being, and then he ends it with, you know what, though, Paolo? You have achieved a triumph of mediocrity. Yep. Like, by far the best quote of the movie, and I laughed my ass off at that line. So.
1: I had that on my list. I don't yeah. know if you know, but Paulo designed 80% of the items in the Gucci catalog in real life. and During, during the
0: time when uh, nobody was buying
1: Gucci? Yes. Or? No, no. During <laughs> okay. the time. And uh, during his life, he was fired twice by Gucci and started his own brand. And he had big plans to exploit Gucci. He wanted the lamps and sunglasses, the furniture. He kind of wanted to go out into that lingerie flatware. And then in 1980, he stopped working for the business. And then in 87, he sold all of his remaining shares for that $45 million you see yeah. um, at the end of the film.
0: Which is so undercut on what it would be worth just I, a few years later. I was
1: curious what was kind of embellished in this movie and what was true. So some things i had read that they changed was that Patrizia grew up poor, but that her stepdad you see in the beginning of the film was very like a wealthy entrepreneur and businessman so like they like you know when they kind of point like oh he has a car business like it actually was really was, like a good wealthy, business yes yeah. and that um when he when Maurizio takes her to the restaurant and she's like that's too expensive for me like her actual class situation that probably wasn't the case yeah and they think they're kind of you know obviously showing her
0: you need more of that. Um, kind they wanted of, to like, sympathize with her
1: lesson moments, like when Rodolfo is accusing her of the social climbing, I think. So that's yeah. why they had that layer. Um, the biggest huge liberty that they took is that you kind of get that Mauricio is shy and that he doesn't want to flaunt his wealth and that he's reluctant to even tell Patrizia that he's Gucci. Yeah. Um, but actually, and that Patricia pursues him, that she was the yeah. aggressor. Uh, but in reality, it was pretty much the opposite. She. Um, you know, he was chasing after her and that she didn't think much of him at first. And he was just a quiet boy and they threw himself at her um, money at her gracing her with expensive gifts. And so that was kind of the opposite picture as oh, she is this okay. pursuer. Um, and then Don Mello who's the player in the Gucci affairs that they didn't really include. She was the executive vice president, chief designer at Gucci, and that when Maurizio was struggling to run a business, a lot of the success actually fell to bellow to keep it afloat, and that the hiring of Tom Ford was actually her doing. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And according to her obituary, it was done in an attempt to revitalize the women's wear section of the Gucci brand and that she brought him on in 1990. So she was actually contributed to the few success that he had running it because he was not a very good businessman, as the movie definitely shows. Um, and then the... Psychic? I guess I'd say that she goes fortune to see, teller. yes, the fortune teller. Selma
0: Hayek's character uh-huh, yeah. says that
1: she gave in during a moment of weakness to pressure from Gucci after being asked to find a killer. Even though Patricia says that she found the killer, the psychic, and then blackmailed her into paying the fee. So there's some kind of back and forth between the two over, you know, who did it, regardless of what happened. Patricia was actually not present at the hiring of the killers that you see in the film where okay. they sit at the table because it's too risky.
0: Which explains why I think she only got, what, 16 years or something? Yes, yes.
1: Um, And, you know, that scene where, you know, when Maurizio's gunned down by the hitman, and the day after the murder, uh, when she gives him, where she hugs the woman that he was having an affair with and married. um, Affair
0: is a, I think they were broken up, but anyway.
1: If you're still married and sleeping with someone. I I think that's an affair. Um, And she did that like the next day she gave her an eviction notice and lived in that house for another two years before she got caught so when she hugs the woman is like now get out that actually happened. she lived there and she was like get out that day the day of the funeral yep hardcore so that was some interesting things my least favorite parts were that the movie like you said was too long in moments like i was there for all the theatrics but i was kind of pausing like okay where are we at in this story um I get why they were painting the Maurizio and this woman, but, like, did we have to see all of that? Lady Gaga's so electric. I didn't like that they kind of hid her away for a bit in that section, you know, where he gives her the papers at the park, and she was like, I love that moment where she was like, you're not giving this to me here. Like, get out of here. Like, I know what you're doing. Um... I don't know, just have more fun in that moment. I just, there are things she was that they cruel. could cut.
0: You like, she was a cruel, maybe she was like this in real life, but with the way she treated Maurizio, especially at certain points where she was just like, you're useless. like, you should be nothing without me. Your family name's the only reason you're around. You're terrible. You're." She would just like, eat at him and just badger him over and he over was, and he over. He
1: was equally an asshole. Like how he froze her out, how he treated her. Like After I'll she let was you like live in the house him. until you can, for a while until you can afford to pay. Like was he involved in it? The, they also had two kids together too. They only showed they only the showed one in the one, film. Yeah. Um, I
0: just thought that no, he,
1: he, he and then he was running his business into the ground. I mean, a total asshole I, it, okay, let's separate the person from the acting and Lady Gaga. Did I want more Patrizia as a person, or she's a terrible person? Obviously, she hired someone to kill her yeah. husband. The Lady Gaga of it all, the performance of it all, yeah, I wanted her on my screen the whole time. She was incredibly good at this nuanced person of, is she going, like... It became like, is she, does she have these ideas and wants to put Gucci further? and She's pushing Maurizio to be involved. It's not just her. She wants him to be involved and do the family. Is that because she is selfish? Like it, it, I Sometimes thought, like, it's confusing.
0: The way the movie portrayed it, at least at first, is she is out for the name. She's out for the money, right? She is kind of using Maurizio in order to get that level of wealth is how the movie portrays it anyway. And I just thought the irony of Mauricio turning into exactly what she wanted him to turn into as he leaves her or she leaves him like that whole dynamic was just insane because she wanted him to be the ruthless businessman that's taking them into the future and doing all these things and live the extravagant lifestyle and buy the expensive cars and do all this stuff. And he was so hesitant at first because he's like, I'm not comfortable. I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. I need to talk to these guys. And then when he gets to that level of comfort is when he's like, basically i don't need you you anymore or this negativity you're bringing into my life and he's you know not the greatest guy okay. either i just i
1: see what's happening here we are on either sides of the marriage i've yes. taken urgency <laughs> and you've taken Reza. But, you, but here's, the thing. Got, got here's the thing she married him when he had no relationship to his family no pennies he was working there she's married him she
0: she she married a gucci i mean
1: helped him bridge his father before his father died helped him repair some sort of relationship there. Yeah. I mean she because had, he was a and Gucci. then and then he like became an asshole. He resented her for he got more involved in the business and then he resented her for it. He resented her for being loud and having a the things he loved about her at the beginning, he then resented later on. And he got selfish and he became well she, that's- less about
0: her. Well, she got selfish, too, where she's like, oh, she was going on these buying sprees of all these things. And he's like, what What are you spending all this money on? Like, we don't have that money to spend. And then when they did have that money to spend is when they ended up getting the divorce. That's
1: Apollo. And, you know, he didn't
0: get to... you know, you Don't even get into it. Apollo was such, <laughs> yeah, like, he,
1: he was an the unbelievable
0: like, idiot. Like, it beloved. was another level of being unbelievably stupid in a movie was Apollo. Like, somebody can't possibly be that stupid and naive, Right.
1: I mean, the family was bad. I mean, to the point where at the end, they basically, through all this craziness, lost the entire business. And that there's no member of the Gucci family working for Gucci.
0: Which, to this yeah, day that after is. After all that happened.
1: Absurd. So they were, like, destroyed. I mean, they were. Gucci was down to the ground before they brought in Tom Ford and revamped it. Like, props to them because he, he notoriously, Maurizio, like, did terrible business strategies, like, was not made to run it. And enjoy just like living this fabulous life with his new wife. Oh, well,
0: yeah. He kept saying it's the long-term vision, which to a point works, but you also eventually have to make money. And after they got Maurizio out, he died in 95. 95, they went public. So they had an initial public offering. And I was trying to look up exactly uh, InvestCorps who bought out like the last 50%, I think, of Maurizio's shares there uh, in 1993. They spent about $170 million is what I was seeing. On that, and they ended up turning that around and getting out of uh, Gucci for about two billion over the five years. I think after it went public, so they ended up making a good chunk of money off of it. And I think wasn't that the same company that also bought all those shares, something like, that, yeah. something like that? And you know, the movie probably took some liberties right. and didn't want to bring in outside investors. Keep it to one one yes. pe- person taking over the yes. firm, but. It is just weird that this family business that started in 1921, you know, in less than 100 years, everybody from the family is out. Just, that sucks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just bad. And, I mean, yeah, it all went wrong. It just all... And the way they communicated with each other was just wild, too. So it's, like, doomed to fail. Um, They all had their own visions for the company, and no one wanted to really agree to things. Um, Yeah, overall, it was just... Again, I felt like it could have been caught in some areas, but it was entertaining story, and I'm glad I saw it because it was kind of like you said, it wasn't really out on streaming. It became we we're like, let's you know buckle up and check into the House of Gucci, and you know what? I loved it.
0: Yeah, I guess it was entertaining to watch. It's probably not one I'm ever gonna watch again, though.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. I feel like in a couple of years, I probably will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair All right. enough. Any other comments on the House of Gucci? You good? Uh, Everything Gucci?
0: The only thing is, uh, they said Paolo died in poverty in 1995. How the hell did he die in poverty when he sold his shares to Gucci for like $100 million a few years before? Like, it said that at the end of the film, and I didn't do a deep dive on exactly what happened there. Was he just an excess spender, or did he...
1: I think it's that, but he also had all these visions, so I feel like he probably started his own line or something like that and went under, you know, and then he just... No one apart. was, obviously, no one in the family was helping him out. So. It's just tough to
0: imagine somebody squandering like $70 million. I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but how Gucci, you can. Uh, oh, and uh, Patrizia, in case you're wondering, served 18 years in 18. prison and was released in October 2016. So she's out in the streets.
0: She's out in the streets if anybody wants to marry her. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. <laughs> Patrizia. All right. So let's do our ratings. Oh, wait. I have a question for you. Yep. Did it deserve the Oscar stub? Do you think it should have been a contender? snub
0: it should not have contended for anything it, it, it would have been a snub if they put it in because somebody would have gotten no, snub ouch, it was ouch. no way this should have been nominated for an i Oscar.
1: also do want to um, also comment on Adam Driver's fits because he looked sharp. <laughs> those are oh, I was watching clothes. that like, movie,
0: like especially once he gets the money, and I, you know, I love all the wealth and excess, yes, right? I yes. was like, I want, I want those yes, suits. yes, I want to do that. I mean,
1: he look, he could pull off a sweater and, like the flared pants. I'm like, stud.
0: What about when he just hops on his uh, crotch rocket motorcycle that and then hilarious. just drives like, to leaves, Switzerland? Please, like, leaves
1: yeah. his kid, leaves Petrie. That was one of my, my favorite <laughs>
0: moments. He's just like, I'm hopping on this. I'm going to Switzerland. See you guys.
1: And then she, he calls and he's like yeah um you can meet him at the house <laughs> like he just left his kid playing yep i mean hilarious yeah that's your champion there okay <laughs> let's do our ratings here for me i'm gonna give it five out of six vhs tapes delivered on what i wanted
0: two two out of six vhs tapes okay. we are at complete two. opposite ends <laughs> oh two God, it was uh a, a one it's tough to get a one um you know It'd probably be between a two and a three. I can't in good conscience it give it a three because I don't think I'll ever watch it again.
1: Oh wow, we are. I on... like the
0: story. Okay. And I did not think the story was told very well in the way the movie framed it. So
1: And I thought it was delightful, the performances <laughs> all stand out. And
0: different tastes, Kayla, different taste.
1: <laughs> different strokes, different folks. Okay. I want to do another quick film review here. I recently saw the film Nope. Nope, theaters. I will not
0: be seeing it. See what yes. I did there, Kayla? Ba-dum-tsch.
1: I see. You're not a uh, scary, scary guy. I will say you could watch this if you're not a scary person. Um, so really Scary quickly, movie
0: person. I'm just generally a scary person, though. Yes, right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'll,
1: I'll concede to that. <laughs> uh, shout out to Jordan Peele, though, because in general, he just makes some really, truly interesting films. I would say this leads more towards the sci-fi than the scary horror of the past two films, Us and Get Out. And for that reason, um, I struggled a bit with it because it was not a scary film. Um, There was like one quick jump scare a bit. And it was one of those kind of like us where you to sit and think, what does this mean? Like everything kind of has a meaning. What was the purpose of this monkey? What was the purpose of? It's a
0: bigger, bigger meta commentary is usually how it makes these films. Yeah. And it's
1: UFOs. So it's aliens in this film. Oh, okay. Um, it was good like I said I was going into it hoping for like an original scary film it was not scary and then the ending I didn't like this kind of nice tied off thing where they got the picture of it and you you assume everything was kind Spoiler of happy alerta. at the end. Yes. So uh, that was also I felt like would have been better if something you know not great happened at the end so that was disappointing. All in all I would give the film I'm between a three and a four on this, but I'm going to commit to a four because I didn't four. leave going like that. I wish I didn't see that. I was glad I saw it, but it wasn't anywhere. You what saw I was it in theaters, it I presume? I did yeah. see it in theaters. Um, and it was good. Just not like didn't match to me a Get Out or an Us, which I really liked. So, okay. yep.
0: That makes sense. And I'm glad you reviewed it because no, I will not be watching that.
1: Fair enough. All
0: right. So let's get into our Swarley of the Week. Alright, so for Mari Swarley of the week this week, just kind of pretty general here, Instagram. What the hell is going on with Instagram? This is no longer <laughs> Instagram. There's no longer just photos and having a good time. Instagram is now trying to just be TikTok. That's all yes. it is. All I see is reels and videos. And guess what? I'll go to TikTok if I want to see all that, because half of the stuff is just recycled over it from is. TikTok yes, anyway. So let me see photos. Let me see the stories. Let me I don't want to get Two of the exact same app. It's useless for me. So Instagram is my Swarly of the Week.
1: I agree with that. And I heard that the president or top person in Instagram was like playing both sides. Or he was like, we'll always be photos. That's how we started. But yeah, we are pretty much going the video route. I think Zuckerberg just... Well, Zuckerberg just like steals
0: whatever yes. anybody else does that has success. Like Twitter
1: with the statuses. Yep. Stories. Uh,
0: the stories from Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the reels from TikTok. They get away with it and they do it well, but it just gets annoying because I don't want just all of the same thing. I want to have some differences in these apps. Otherwise, what's the purpose?
1: And as someone who has not totally leaned into the TikTok of it all and is still on the reels, it's okay for me, but I understand I feel like it's just going to be harder to do photos, to do just a photo-based profile because it's going to be about content videos, videos, videos.
0: I uh, So I have a TikTok and I very rarely post <laughs> on it. I have a handful of posts, mostly from our vacation. I posted uh, one, and I'll have to show you after, Kayla, yes, of uh, my wife on vacation. It was just kind of a goofy one. And somebody at my work saw it and it was just like, just to let you know, People have seen that. So I'll show you after, Kayla. You'll understand the context. Oh, God. But make sure okay. you follow me on TikTok.
1: <laughs> <There> oh, <you laughs> yeah. Go. There you go. That's a good sell. Um, okay. My swirl of the week, and this swirl is probably going to carry on as we get closer to next year when things start getting announced. I'm sure we'll have a lot of wrong opinions on it. Um, it's going to be the HBO Discovery merger that's happening right now. I don't know if you've been seeing I haven't the been in the online. weeds. I know
0: the high level hits of what's going on,
1: though. So it's kind of like this guy who um, has the Discovery+. Plus. Obviously, the Warner Brothers, they're two of the same. And he's getting a lot of flack from creatives, from the artists and people doing shows, because he doesn't come from that world. He wasn't, like, involved in television, movies, like, as a producer. Like, he wasn't. So he's kind of coming into these things, changing things without having that experience. So a lot of people are kind of looking at him, like, with some concern. Yeah. This merger means that, as you know, it's very confusing how HBO works, but you have HBO, it's flagship content, like a Game of Thrones, like a succession, that's under the HBO umbrella, and then you have HBO Max content, which is separate, and that's like the Sex Lives of College Girls, that's a lot of these, yes, hacks, um, that they've been producing, and I want to say that HBO Max is the top streaming service. I, I
0: completely and agree with that. Yeah,
1: from I had a friend visiting out of town uh, with me this week, and we primarily watch HBO shows because I think they're doing some of the best content out there right now. It's Uh, always
0: top-notch quality no matter what you watch.
1: So the idea that they're blending this Discovery, which I've seen some of the posts they put, they put that Discovery Plus has like a feminine gaze, like it's the 90 Day Fiance, it's the HGTV, and that HBO and HBO Max is like the male gaze. And I was like, "Uh, what? Some of the stuff I see on Twitter commenting on that is just hilarious to me. Um, they're like there's two genders, there's HBO Max and there's Discovery. Um, it's just a wild statement for them to say. Obviously there's gonna be more information coming about, but I just think you have a great brand. And I understand like when you have two streaming services under the same company, let's put it together. But it's like I couldn't tell you one thing on Discovery Plus that And I'm it just to baffles watch.
0: me that Discovery bought Warner Media, which includes HBO. Yeah. Like you would never have thought just on the outside, and maybe there's a lot of debt involved. I haven't looked at that, but Discovery bought HBO. And HBO has that brand equity already built up with its customers for years, way more, I think, than Discovery. You know, Discovery doesn't create, you know, original prestige content, it's more of. Yeah, you know, discovery's discovery, right? Yes. I don't even know how to describe it besides, you know, animals and the environment. There's like
1: H T V animals, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like some reality T V that they've just decided women watch and men watch H B O. Um, clearly, they don't listen to wrong opinions, only. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you know, obviously, some elements of this is that there's obviously going to be a lot of job losses because people doing the same things on either streaming service are not going to be needed twice. Synergies um, shows what they say. are kind of being in question. What HBO Max content is going to stay? Batgirl was canceled. Batgirl, astoundingly, ninety million dollar film was canceled. It's just basically not going to be on streaming or in theaters. It's just nixed, which is wild—a wild thing to do. They're saying it might be a tax write-off. Um, hmm. it, it, insane behavior. I think there's going to be more information to come, but I just think don't I'm scared don't ruin a good thing I love it it's one of the services I'm like this is worth the money this is producing and
0: well it's worth out my mom's account that I used to log in
1: (laughs) and HBO Max is just producing some original shows like I don't want that to disappear and I think that some shows might have some issues here and yeah, so it'll strally. be interesting
0: to see how it plays out, especially with the new Game of Thrones show coming out soon. Industry just came back this week, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stuff that I watch on HBO. and Just well, started the rehearsal,
1: which is, yeah. I think you have to be a little bit of a bad person to enjoy, <laughs> uh, which I am, and so I enjoy it. Um, also, a quick shout out to an additional swirly I just thought of, Amazon Prime for not renewing the wilds. You suck. Oh, my you God. You suck so Bad. Did
0: you see the angry post I put on our story? No, I, no. Oh, I thought I tagged. Yeah, so through our uh, wrong opinions only. I was just like,
1: no, what are you doing to us? And I then, did our Twitter when I found out at like yeah. midnight. I was so upset. Yeah, like, that,
0: that's upsetting. So make sure you listen to our podcast on The Wilds. I posted the <laughs> link out there. I think it was uh, episode 58. So
1: And then show your support for the show because it's getting shopped around at potential other platforms and We need more. I need more.
0: I think the Wilds, uh, the end of the Wilds episode we did, Kayla, if I remember correctly, you said they are definitely going to be (laughs) renewing this. There's no way Amazon Prime does not renew this show because it's got such a big fandom yeah, and fuck, then we're here two months later. Fuck you, Amazon Prime. That's
1: what I have to say at the end of this. Um, let's get into our friendship question of the week, which you actually thought of with the help of your wife.
0: Yes. Always with the help of my wife, always. obviously. We're a team, Kayla. Yeah, we're a you team, are. as you know. I would know. So, so the friendship question of the week this week is, what do you think is the bougiest thing the other has bought?
1: So this is hard because, again, my thought was like the most expensive, but you were like, has to be like a little flair, like to be like... A little showy, I think. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah. just
0: cost, but it's like I'm trying to show it off kind of. Like I want to show that I'm a, you know, person of wealth.
1: Again, like I don't feel confident in my answer, but what came to my mind when you said that is what I'm going yeah, to yeah. go Let's with. Which intrigued. is when you were in Italy and you were like looking at watches and stuff. I was like, oh, that's kind of like yeah. bougie, you know what I mean? Like expensive and like the look, you're in Italy buying, you know, jewelry Santorini or something. Santorini to be specific. So yes. I feel like that's kind of bougie thing to do is to shop in Italy and buy watches. So. Uh, I
0: think you are 100% correct. That was very bougie of me. Yeah. I love that watch, uh, Hamilton. Um, Very expensive watch. Um, Uh So that falls (laughs) into that category. And I bought that. I walked into that store. I think I was wearing basketball shorts and an Under Armour (laughs) t-shirt. So they were (laughs) like, this guy.
1: Keep it humble. Yeah. They were like,
0: this guy. What the hell is that what you
1: were thinking I might say?
0: I was thinking you were going to say Aria.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. It was about
0: the same price as the watch. So. Oh, yeah. Ouch.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But,
0: yeah, the watch is a really good one. I was And t- House of
1: Gucci, you know?
0: It, well, it is very House of Gucci in Italy. And when I was talking to my wife before the podcast, I was telling her, I was like, I don't remember things like this. Like, I don't remember gifts I buy people or people buy me or I buy myself. Like, once it's bought or, like, I have it, it's out of my brain, like, pretty immediately. So I was trying to think of things you've bought. So
1: I'm not a flashy person. You're not a
0: big, like, flashy buyer. And I'm like, you go to a lot of concerts. That's not bougie. You go to concerts. People do that. Yeah. But what do you buy that's flashy? And I think where I landed was your typewriter.
1: (laughs) Okay. Where
0: you just have, like, basically a decorative typewriter.
1: It's heavy as fuck. It's heavy
0: as shit. You can't really use it. It's sitting there for decoration. Mm -hmm. But it's just be like look at me i'm a writer look at this yeah, typewriter that's writer. true. That's so true. That's what it i have no idea if it was expensive or not but it looks expensive it was not actually it it was a nice. gift
1: given to me but, uh, it was a uh, gift. Damn it. i would say yes that that's a good point that's a creative one um for me as far as like it would probably be my record system because that oh, was good one. that was a lot of especially my speakers i definitely if i knew take the price some. of that
0: i would have said Again, that i have people no do idea not come
1: to my house i did have more people at my house to see <laughs> this thing but it is definitely my pride and joy in my house
0: Okay, that that's a good one. A record, record keeper is definitely I'm serious about good. my
1: vital. Yes, yeah. yes. That's where, I, that's where I lead into a little bit bougie in my audio. Your bougie hipster phase. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so I think that that's it for us this week. And Arrivederci.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Wrong Opinions Only. Please follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions JK, where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes. Until then, JK out.